1997, Square released Saga Frontier. It was a game that was met with critical reception and lackluster sales. And yet still, despite all odds, there's a community of people out there that really enjoys Saga Frontier and the Saga franchise. And with the release of Octopath Traveler in 2018, is it possible that elements of Saga Frontier are living on today? Well, that's the discussion we're going to have over the course of the next hour. This is Saga Frontier, here on Scanline Vibes. Hey, Mr. Taylor, welcome back to Scanline Vibes. Pleasure to be here as always. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Pretty good. I got a good laugh out of watching you play Saga Frontier. Uh, yeah, I just finished up playing maybe a good hour, hour and a half of that, and it was an interesting experience. I can definitely say that much. Define interesting. Well, I like the combat systems. Um, they were definitely fun. Um, I liked some of the like power and ability they give you. Like You definitely feel powerful, at least in some of the games uh, I played, but... Um, the story, I'm sure we'll get into it more later, but we'll just start by saying it's confusing. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think, I don't know I don't know if you know the context of Saga Frontier or uh, any of this, the story of its release. Not at all, no. Uh, it is notoriously remembered as an unfinished game. Hmm. Um, it is a game that was rushed in late development and lots and lots of content was cut. Uh, hmm. when, and when I say lots of content was cut, there's a website called The Cutting Room Floor. Yeah. And they go into game files to find all sorts of unused assets and dialogue and stuff. Saga Frontier is one of those games that they cut an entire chapter and they cut multiple characters from pretty much everybody's scenarios. Hmm. Tons and tons of material was cut. And fans of Saga Frontier have actually kind of created a community around rebuilding the game that it should have been. Uh, there are actually fan patches trying to re-add a lot of that content into the game. But uh, yeah, watching you play it for the first time a little while ago... I had a pretty good laugh watching you um, just kind of experience, like, WTF, like, what is going on here? Yeah, it definitely throws you in. I played through both Red and Amelia's storyline a little bit each, and in both cases, there's lots of, like, suddenly you're somewhere else and you're talking to other people, and they're talking about things that have not been explained whatsoever. Red was definitely way worse than Amelia. Amelia, I started out being pretty much understanding of what was going on i got the gist of the story but then suddenly towards the end of when i saw playing they're sort of throwing in all these extra words and and people and characters as if i was just expected to know who and what they were yeah it's a game it's a game that doesn't um give the player a whole lot in terms of kind of exposition it's kind of just very much boom go you're going and yeah. if you're not following along very closely then you are very quickly going where am i and what's happening now um mm. I know you've played Octopath Traveler and you really enjoyed that. I did. Have you ever played a game like this or like Octopath Traveler where there's a lot of characters to choose from and you're just suddenly in it very quickly and there's these forking character paths? Nothing comes to mind. Um, both Octopath Traveler and Saga Frontier in my memory are pretty unique in the concept of there's a bunch of different main characters for you to choose from. I'm sure there probably are others. I can't imagine those are the only two in existence, but I'm not thinking of any others right now. Yeah, I, I played Soccer Frontier as a kid, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm. Obviously, I didn't have the luxury of modern gaming conveniences to look at it from that lens of. I looked at it from just as a kid going, wow, this atta these attacks are really cool, and the combat's really fast and fun, yeah. and there's a ton of characters. Um, 
I don't know if you noticed how big your character team screen was. There are 15 characters you can have in your party. Wow. No, I definitely did not notice how large that was. Yeah, I mean, you can have five active in combat at a time, but you can have three teams of five traveling around together. Huh. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It's one of those games that um, it's, it's basically when I played Octopath Traveler last year, I basically felt like Octopath Traveler was a super, super dumbed down version of Saga Frontier. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they definitely make it a little bit more streamlined and, and simpler, um, though the story for Octopath is far, far easier to understand, mostly because it's entirely coherent. They explain concepts as they introduce them. Yeah, Saga Frontier is unapologetically all over the place. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I could definitely agree with that. There are... I mean, one moment you'll be in a prison, the next moment you'll be in a superhero fantasy land... And there's monsters and magic and guns and technology. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of another game that is so unabashedly all over the place. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, I found that in particular with Red Storyline. I mean, just following that, I was just confused almost from the beginning. And it never really cleared anything up for me. In fact, it mostly got more confusing as I went on in Red Storyline. Yeah, I think I think for for me, one of the reasons I really love Saga Frontier is that just the level of customization there is in the game, you really get to customize a lot of your characters in really gratifying ways that feel really great to the player. Hmm. You know, you get to choose, do I want sword attacks or gun attacks or fighter style attacks or magic attacks or dodge abilities? And you've got mechs you can run around with or monsters that change throughout the game and humans and like mystics and all there's all sorts of customization that goes on. And it is a level of customization and quirkiness that I dare say I've never seen in another JRPG. I mean, it is like on another level of your party, the party you create will be completely different from a party that somebody else makes in their game. Yeah, I could definitely get a feel for that. It was I didn't get very far in the game, uh, so I didn't really get to see even a fraction of the customization that you're talking about. I could see in the ability equipment screen that there was... Um, you know, a whole bunch of different categories of ability types, like what you're talking about with like swords and guns and fighting and all these other different kinds. With red pretty early on, you get a monster companion who can absorb abilities from enemies you kill. And every time you absorb an ability from an enemy, he changes his shape to be something different, which was not very well explained at all. It was very confusing. But I can see how once you get the hang of that system and you understand what's going on, it can create insane levels of customization, I'm sure. Yeah, Red's, Red's story is also unique in that he is this alter ego known as Alkaiser. He's, yeah. this, he's this alter ego superhero guy. And no, everybody, no, nobody else's story has that kind of factor going on. Mm. Um, everybody's story does have some main driving thing behind it. Mm. Um, but it's, it's all their own. I think one of the reasons that Octopath Traveler stuck out to me uh, in the same way that Saga Frontier sticks out to me is... I mean, the games almost kind of look similar to me visually... They're both mm. 2D characters running around in a 3D-ish world. Yeah. Although the the world in Saga Frontier is pre-rendered backgrounds, which I think they look fantastic. I love the way they look. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that struck me about Octopath Traveler early on was how mature the story was and how, uh, how man, I wouldn't even say dark. Like, mm. Primrose's story in particular at oh, the beginning yeah. of the game is really dark. And in Saga Frontier, it is the same exact thing. It is like... Your, I mean, Amelia's story opens with her being framed for murder and her going to prison and her plotting a prison break. I mean, it is mm. like these two games, 
both tackle themes and scenarios that a lot of JRPGs just wouldn't touch. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, you hit the nail on, on the head with with Primrose's storyline being this incredibly dark, dark story from beginning all the way to the end of her story is just it just keeps getting darker and darker almost. Um, and you can definitely kind of get a feel for that in Amelia's that you know you have this you know lover you're framed for murdering and then you have to try to break out of prison but it's also a sponsored prison break by the warden it's kind of weird but definitely a, like a, a dark and very serious subject matter yeah i think both games uh are willing to take risks in that regard and that's a very rare thing for jrpgs you do not typically see topics like sexual abuse or or drug abuse handled in games and uh yeah props to uh to square for having both these titles be willing to tackle that kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely pretty intense, but that's one thing that struck me really, really early about both games. I have to say, though, I actually enjoy the combat of Saga Frontier a lot more than Octopath. I found Octopath's combat really repetitive really quickly, and there wasn't a whole lot of it that was marveling to me. The, the combat in Octopath is... God, I don't, I don't want to bash that game because it's such a pretty game. The problem is, is it's just shallow. The, the job system is shallow, the ability system is shallow, the customization, if you can even call it that in the game, is really shallow. And Saga Frontier is the opposite end of the spectrum. It is like you're diving into a pool of 20 stat attributes with 20 different spell types and ability types. And they all behave in weird ways and you unlock them in weird ways in combat. But you have these cool combo attacks that can, that can proc. It feels exciting. Saga Frontier's combat to me is exciting and fun and fast. And... As much as I adore Octopath Traveler, I got to say the combat is one thing that eventually let me down about that game. Yeah, um, I honestly really, really enjoyed Octopath Traveler's combat. I can see a lot of the critiques you're making. There isn't as much variety, um, especially once you get to a certain point of the game, you figure out, you know, these are the best attacks and these are the best subclasses and these are the best abilities to have generally speaking you can have a little bit of changes for personal preference but largely there's a there's a best breakdown of of abilities and and weapons and and attacks um but i still found it to be really really enjoyable it definitely made me feel very powerful have Uh, you ever played bravely default i did not know okay that's why i mean if you've played bravely default you would be i think in the same boat that i am which is just it's identical to bravely default um Mm -hmm. it feels like they basically recycled that brave system Mm. where you can store up turns and then unleash multiple attacks it's a nice system but once you've played a 60 hour game with it you think oh man this seems really familiar and they didn't take a lot of risks in bravely default and in octopath all the characters are more or less the same i mean they all can do everything Hmm. they can all be every job and they can all be every subclass so there's not a lot of reason to use you know, certain characters over others, other than just their base stats are better. But mm-hmm. in Saga Frontier, you could tell immediately monsters behave fundamentally differently than humans do. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you'd feel the same way about mechs and you feel the same way about mystics. Those characters are very, very different in the way they behave, the kinds of things they can equip, the kind of abilities they can learn. The progression is so different and so rich in Saga Frontier that if I could praise anything about that game... I would definitely praise the combat system and the customization system. I think the story, as you pointed out, is kind of a hot mess. There is, <laughs> It's a little bit of a pancake situation where it's all over the place. Yeah, definitely. It, it, is, it goes in every direction. There are great moments to be found there, but the combat to me and the characters have got to be a shining gem in Saga Frontier. Yeah, I mean, I 
can't disagree with that at all. I mean, even what little I played, I had fun with the combat. It was really, really enjoyable. I mean, especially when Red transforms into his Alkaiser form, he's incredibly powerful. He has all these different kind of abilities and attacks. It was a lot of fun to, to play with. I, I, I can't deny that at all. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's a it's a kind of combat system that just keeps surprising you as you go on. Um, it's a shame you probably won't ever dig deeper into Saga Frontier because the the magic system is so in, intense in that game, and how you get spells, uh, you have to go through these challenges. Um, as Amelia, you saw that early in the game, you had to touch a rune to escape the prison. Yeah, that rune is part of an, uh, of one school of magic's challenges, hmm. and the game is like. Man, the, the designers and the developers did a great job at coming up with really quirky, weird stuff the characters would have to do in, or, in order to acquire magic and in order to acquire new abilities and stuff. Some abilities like swords and guns and stuff you'd acquire randomly in combat hmm. with those like exclamation points of, you got a new spell or you got a new attack. But some of the magic stuff was really intense and it took the player to some really crazy, crazy places. Yeah, I actually will say I really, really liked the method of learning those new abilities, at least, the combat ones, the like physical sword ones and punching ones, because it's it's actually a neat little animation of like a light bulb appearing over somebody's head, Yeah, which is, I, I think, a really nice little nod to just the classic, you know, light bulb ding idea from like old school cartoons. Um, and then also, then they just suddenly do the attack and you get to see it for the first time. It's not like in, you know, Pokemon where they just go, you learned flamethrower. You don't know what it is or what it does. You can guess based on the name, but you actually, it's in Saga Frontier. It tells you, you learn this ability. Now here is what it looks like in action. And here's about how much damage it does, at least to this enemy. Like it, it's, it shows it off right off the bat as soon as you learn it. I like that a lot. And it feels so cool because it's so random. Like you're, you're just kind of mm. doing your normal slash, slash, slash. And then all of a sudden, boom, you've got double slash or boom, you've got triple thrust or boom, you've got, you know, X new move. Yeah, my favorite one of those completely was in Amelia's. You fight this boss. It's like this giant bladed centipede thing. Like they show it to you before the fight starts, and it's very clearly the size of like 20 of you. It is huge. And in that fight, one of the people I was using is like this small little girl who's breaking out of prison. She learns a, a move. I don't remember what the name of it is, but effectively she runs up and just starts suplexing this thing left and right. Like she does it like four or five times in a row. She just literally picks the whole thing up and slams him on the ground. And in my head, that is just the funniest image ever. I couldn't stop laughing. To all the actual Saga Frontier fans out there, the move that he's talking about was not suplex. It was Locomotion G. He learned Locomotion G and just lost his mind watching that move animation. So... Yeah, I mean, I can see it against a smaller monster or another human, but against this giant centipede thing, it was especially from the relatively small girl who was using it, was very funny in my head. Learning moves in combat is a joy. It's a total joy in mm. Saga Frontier. The other joy is finding combination attacks. And when you find like a three combination attack or a four combination attack or a five combination attack, yeah. you start doing literally ludicrous amounts of damage and it, the animations are so crazy and big and intricate that oh man it's it's one of those games that the combat is the thing that surprises you again and again and again and i just take my hats off to the team that made saga frontier because the combat is just a total joy every element of it is a total joy yeah i can't imagine what a five level combination attack looks like i mean I was going from in just single attacks doing minimum 50 to maybe like mid 100, maybe 200 to I did my first level two combination attack in the prison and did a thousand damage. Yeah, no, they get they get crazy, crazy powerful and crazy big. And uh, 
it's funny that you think that that centipede thing is like a big monster because it's like some of the monsters you fight in the game are like monster hunter level size monsters. They're Jeez. they're like the bigger than the room you're fighting. Big. It's it's crazy. Wow. That yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, so far that was the biggest monster I saw in my entire playthrough. But I mean, I believe you if they get bigger. That's pretty nuts though. Oh, they get wild, and oh, there's so many kooky characters. But we'll we'll dive into that in a bit. Mm. I think this is probably a pretty good spot to dive into our first listener submitted story. Let's do it. Today's first story comes from a user that goes by the handle VHeart. VHeart for Valentine's Day. We got that coming up in just a few days, so it's cute timing. Aww. (laughs) Well, here's what VHeart had to say. VHeart shares, When the game was released, I was around 15, 16, and I was living in New Zealand. At the time, many JRPGs on the PS1 were not released in the PAL regions, Europe, Oceania, such as Xenogears, Parasite Eve, and of course, Saga Frontier. I knew of the game as I was buying gaming magazines at the time, and this magazine called EGM2 did a guide for it. The game looked and sounded so interesting to me, so I tried to look it up online. I had a part-time job at Burger King at the time, and I saved up for weeks for enough money, and I begged my mom to use her credit cards so that I could buy it. I knew the game wasn't received well in the US, but I still wanted to play it. The game came a week later. I enjoyed Red a lot, and used a team of mechs so he could change into Al-Kaiser at will. Plus his music was epic, and at the end of the game he stays in transformation. That's where it's at. Alright, Vheart, thank you very much for that story. Uh, you actually answered a question I had about, uh, about the game, about Red specifically. Which is, uh, as we mentioned, he can transform into this Alkaiser form, which is like his superhero alter ego. He's way more powerful, but he can't do it if there's other people in the party because his identity has to stay a secret. And I didn't realize that until I got the monster to join my party and could suddenly no longer transform into Alkaiser. But it sounds like, and Clyde, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like if you just use a team of mechs, then he can change in and out as much as he wants. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and trust Vheart's judgment here. It's been a hot minute since I played the game, but uh, yeah, that sounds probably about right. Mechs, yeah. mech, maybe mechs don't don't uh, count towards the identity question. Who knows? Do mechs have a, like a personality and a consciousness in the game? Some of them do, mm. but um, th- some of them are just clearly robots. They're just, you know, insert girder. Yeah. Then again, I would think that would be the case with monsters, too. You'd think monsters wouldn't care if you transform into a superhero, but the game thinks otherwise, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, great stuff, V-Heart. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's a lot of fun to read. Absolutely glad you trusted your gut on this one and you went through and got it. I hope you enjoyed the game as much as I did. Good stuff. Absolutely. One of the things I think sticks out about Saga Frontier is the art of the game. Hmm. Um, I know you didn't play that much of it. You played through the intro of Red and Amelia's Files, but you saw those art panels pop up every now and then. Yeah. What did you think of those? I thought they were really pretty. They gave me a nice look at the character that I hadn't gotten so far. Because at this point, all you see of the character is their little 2D sprite, which gives you an idea of what the character looks like. But seeing an actual full artist rendering of them really helps solidify an image in your head. And I thought they were really beautiful. Yeah, the game is filled with those. Um, There are so many pieces of illustrated art in the game. Mm. And it's even, you know, a a tragedy that half of them didn't even make it into the game as findable assets. Um, again, the cutting room floor has those assets, and I'll go ahead and put a link to that in the description. But um, absolutely beautiful art, and you see it throughout the game, and you see it on on a variety of unique points. Like whenever you'd run into a certain character, or whenever you complete a particular moment in the game, you'd get rewarded with those little scenes of artwork, 
and I absolutely love seeing them. And the nice thing is people have actually compiled all those images online mm. and you can find like databases or galleries of all those pieces of art from Saga Frontier. And anybody who's played the game, who hasn't seen them in a hot minute, they're a really good blast from the past that I recommend you take a second and look, look through them because you'll think, oh my gosh, I remember seeing that and geeking out about that as a kid. Yeah, I definitely really liked that concept. I liked that they're all sprinkled throughout the game. Because Octopath Traveler does something similar. You get, like, concept art of the characters, but it all comes once you've finished their story. Once you finish their story, you get a little, like, thin closing card, and it has a little concept art of their character or a moment from their story. But I like that Saga Frontier kind of spreads those out across the game, kind of rewards you as you go along. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's at characters that you wouldn't even think get cards that wouldn't even get concept art but you get mm. you get character cards for quite a few npcs in the game mm. or people that join your party that you wouldn't consider main characters so that, that i think that's another leg up that saga frontier has on octopath is that saga frontier's world is populated with interesting characters and memorable characters and i really didn't feel that way about octopath i really didn't feel like there was a lot of memorable npcs in the game there are definitely a few that i can think of um Certainly a couple that come to mind from Primrose's and Ulbrich's story, um, not to spoil anything. You mean villains? Villains, yeah, but I mean, they're still NPCs. Okay. Yeah. There are, I mean, I think there are a couple, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, but Saga Frontier has done a better job to me of creating kooky, wild, weird characters that have stuck out to me. You probably noticed this, just the opening of Octopath's characters, a lot of their stories open up very shallow. They're just very quick go here, fight this boss, get into the storyline, you're on your little adventure. And it's a very kind of linear experience going from town to town to town to town. Hmm. And I felt like in Saga Frontier, those stories are very intricate right out the gate. I mean, those stories are very weird and kooky right out the gate. I mean, there Amelia's story in particular, I mean, she's you, you, see, you, you see her as the, the scorned ex-girlfriend. You see her as the, the victim who's being framed for murder. You see her as the femme fatale escaping from jail. You see her as the rogue bandit joining the, you know, the the villainous rogues gallery, and you see her as the strong woman, all within the period of like an hour of gameplay. Hmm. Whereas I didn't feel that way about a lot of the characters in Octopath. I felt like a lot of the characters in Octopath were they're interesting characters, but they're they are kind of flat to me. Some of them did feel kind of flat to me. Yeah, I suppose. I feel like Saga, in some cases at least, from what I could see, almost went too far in that direction, in mm -hmm. the like intricacy and, and just just openness of it. Like Red Story, for example, to go back to that one, it's very just like jump cutty. Like it keeps moving from scene to scene, and I feel like I've missed three scenes in between. Like at one point, you just end up in a town on this airship you work on. It took you to this town, and you can walk around inside the town, but you have no real goal or reason why you're there. Like you have your overarching character goal, which is to to get vengeance for for uh you know for your dead father, but you don't really know why you're in this town or what your goal is. Like there's a bunch of weird like labs to go into and tombs that you can explore, but like nobody tells you even the character himself doesn't tell you where to go or why to go there. Wait, did you miss that cutscene or something or uh, I'm fairly certain that cutscene didn't exist. No, it sadly it did exist. It was probably cut from the game. Um, there was probably a transitional piece of content that at one point they go, hey, we really need a scene here to like kind of explain what's going on, but we out of money and we out of time. <laughs> Ship the game now. That That's pretty bad. Honestly, from the sound of it and from what little I've seen and what you've been telling me, 
this might be the worst example of that concept of a developer rushing a game and and like leaving out content that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, oh no, definitely. It's it's definitely among those instances and especially from such a high profile developer, yeah. right? From Square to like from Square to release a game this unpolished and this unfinished, it comes out, it releases, you know, in the in the 90s and people hated this game people mm. were like whoa how dare you put your brand on this this is <laughs> this is something that you guys didn't finish making yeah and it's very clear i mean yeah. people were very very angry that's why this game is perfect for this series because to me this is a gem i think this game is a gem and i think there are part there are elements to saga frontier that are really really special and that if they had had the time and they'd had the money they'd have made this game really fleshed out and it would have been a really perfect story the problem is, is that they didn't have the time and they didn't have the money, and what shipped is clearly an unpolished, very rushed game that's got a lot of holes and a lot of yeah. gaps in it. Yeah, I mean, I almost would go so far as to say it's not unpolished, it's flat-out unfinished. I mean, I've seen unpolished games. I mean, Fallout New Vegas is an unpolished game, but it's finished. The full story's there. It's just really buggy and unpolished, and they there's just a lot of bad spots in it. Saga, I mean, seems like it's an unfinished game. Like, there are missing transition cutscenes so that the player has absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't I can't deny that. I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want a game that is, that's ambitious but ultimately unfinished, or mm. do you want to play a game that is, that aims very, very low and is very pretty? Because I think, honestly, Octopath aims super, super low. And I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I don't know if you remember this. When I play through the game... I didn't see a single game over screen until post game until the po until like the post post game that game was a cakewalk to me mm. and boss after boss after boss failed to challenge me in any meaningful way and i know mm. this is 2019 i know this is the nintendo switch i know that square enix is trying to make games that cater towards the lowest common denominator and that are approachable for kids and that are approachable for teens but that game feels like a cakewalk it feels like it's, it's pulling its punches mm. and I didn't like that about about Octopath. I wish Octopath, you know, knocked back a little bit, and I wish there was just a lot more depth regarding the characters and the classes and the systems and the difficulty. I just I think that I think it's shallow. I think there's a lot of shallow, but it's pretty though. I mean, I can't knock that. I mean, yeah. Octopath is pretty. And it's pretty and it's fun, and I liked some of the story elements in it. Not to go too far in Octopath, and that's not the game we're here to talk about. But yeah. some of the stories were really good and compelling. I will never forget Primrose's story from yeah. beginning to end. That one will always stick with me. Uh, the end kind of gets a little muddy to me, but I mean, overall, I love Primrose's story too. I think it is one of the better stories in the game. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Saga Frontier, even though it is unfinished, it, there is there what is there is so juicy and fun and compelling. God, that combat system! Anybody who sinks their teeth into Saga Frontier will tell you, good God, the game is the game story is all over. It is spaghetti all over the wall. <laughs> but the actual gameplay, the actual like running around, fighting monsters, learning new attacks, finding new magic. That stuff is fun. Recruiting new characters is fun. Yeah, I mean, even in the hour, hour and a half I played of the game, I can see that. I mean, both of those things, the spaghetti on the wall story, but also the really fun gameplay. I enjoyed myself thoroughly playing in those fights. The problem was is people had really, really high expectations for both of these games, right? They had super high expectations of Saga Frontier, and when they got that spaghetti, they were like, whoa, what is this? And they rejected it, and it became a game that... Um, only the niche audience really, really embraced. Mm. And I think the same thing honestly happened with Octopath, as weird as that's going to sound. People really looked forward to Octopath. RPG fans especially were really hyped for Octopath. Mm. But in the months since that game has been out, if you go on Reddit and you see people saying, what are the best JRPGs on the Nintendo Switch? I see people consistently 
mulling over, skipping over Octopath Traveler. They consistently say Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I want to give a shout out to. I really enjoyed Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But they consistently say, go play some other game. Don't People say, what about Octopath Traveler? Is this thing worth sitting down? Nah, play a Disgaea remake. And it's like, whoa, that mm-hmm. is intense to me that people are like, this was supposed to be the flagship JRPG, Nintendo Switch exclusive, and it came and it went really quickly. I mean, it sold really well. Mm-hmm. People bought the heck out of that game. It was sold out for weeks and weeks and weeks in Japan and America. I mean, I bought two copies, right? I gave yeah. one as a gift. I really enjoyed the game, but there is a part of me that goes, was this the meaty JRPG I wanted it to be? And I think it didn't quite check all the right boxes for me. Yeah, I guess it all ultimately boils down to would you rather be hated or forgotten? Because it seems like Saga Frontier, largely the response was hatred and vitriol. Yeah. And the response to Octopath Traveler was meh, next. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I'm hope, I'm fingers crossed, you know, that Octopath 2 is going to re- rectify it. I hope there is yeah. an Octopath 2. I don't know if they've confirmed that. but Me too. I would love to see that, that series get a continuation, but then have them really pour in extra attention to detail and extra factors. Uh, a lot of what you've been talking about. I would love depth, to see that. Depth is what I want. But yes. keep keep the music and keep the art. But oh, yeah. Saga Frontier also, I think, excelled in those categories. It mm-hmm. has great music. It has really, really great art. I love... I'm a huge sucker for the pre-rendered backgrounds on the PS1. Mm-hmm. I'm playing through Chrono Cross right now. I love those pre-rendered backgrounds. I love the simple little animations. And I love seeing characters run around those little worlds. I, I absolutely adore that stuff. So... For me, looking at Saga Frontier, it's like a blast from the past. It's, it is putting me back in the 90s. It's putting me back into my JRPG mindset as a kid. And I love it. I absolutely love those sequences. I know you got frustrated with the dungeon design in Saga Frontier. A little bit, yeah. There were definitely some moments in Saga Frontier where I was. it was just a confusing maze. I mean, even it wasn't even a dungeon, one of the ones. It was just this. the airship Red travels around on is like this cruise liner airship. And that thing is just a huge maze. And it's not even a dungeon. It's just supposed to be your neutral location. And I couldn't get figure out my way around it. Yeah. It's it, it. There is a lot of wonky layout going on, but I mean that's just that's just how RPGs were designed in the PS One. I mean that that's was fair. that is. I mean they they did not have gimme level design. Nowadays every RPG every JRPG is just go straight to the end. Go straight. There's one or two little offshoots, but they very quickly there's a sign at the end of that offshoot going you're going the wrong way. Go back. Go back to the end. It's like dungeon. Like developers have really catered their games down to. You will not get lost, and if you get lost, you are just drunk playing the video game, and you're not playing the video game very well. Yeah. As in all things, I just would love a nice a nice middle ground, somewhere between the two would yeah. be perfect for me. Yeah. Saga Frontier for me as a kid, uh, I, I definitely felt that level of getting lost in some of the dungeons, but I also really enjoyed it. I enjoyed feeling like, man, this is a crazy you know medical bio laboratory what is going on here? Why is everybody a monster here? Why is everybody you know, screaming at me? It was a very weird couple of environments that i thought this is really cool it's very unique um it's definitely a mix of technology and magic you don't see in a lot of other video games and saga frontier wasn't afraid to go for it in that regard that's for sure well let's go ahead and dive into our next listener submitted story this one comes from a user that goes by the handle metis24 so taylor will you go ahead and read this one out absolutely be my pleasure well here you are metis24 shares Have you read the translation for Essences of Saga Frontier? It's a book that came out in Japan back in the late 90s after the game came out. It talks about a lot of background info on the game, things that were supposed to happen, or details of the in-game universe that helped shape the game. It's fairly well known among Saga Frontier fans, but maybe for JRPG fans as a whole is somewhat unknown. R slash Saga is pretty slow, but has a lot of knowledgeable people there. I'm a big fan of Amelia. 
Her scenario is pretty interesting, sort of cyberpunk spy-themed, and very much has the flavor of late 90s anime. Another favorite character is probably Dr. Nusaken. He gives me kind of a Demon City Shinjuku feel, which was a big anime when I was a kid. He's a mystic, so he's magic-oriented, but he comes equipped with guns. Saga Frontier is a fascinating game, imaginative and exploratory in its themes, mechanics. It's a pity it's an unfinished game. Fuse was supposed to be a playable character, and Loot Scenario was supposed to be... longer. Hey, Medes, thanks so much for sharing this. This is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Have you read that book you were talking about, The Essences of Saga Frontier? I have not. Um, I am, although I'm a fan of the first game, I have not actually dived into the greater lore of the game. Mm. Um, the extent of what I know about Saga Frontier is limited to very, very minor reading online, plus my own experiences with the game. Um, mm. I've actually heard about that publication. I've heard about Essences of Saga Frontier, but I've not actually pursued reading it. So that is my homework. Apparently, I need to read that. Yeah, it seems like it fills in a lot of those gaps we've been talking about in the story. Yeah, I'll go ahead and publish a link to that in the uh, the description as well, so people can check that out. Good call. So did you did you get cyberpunk vibes from Amelia's story? Not quite yet. I assume that's probably something that comes later. I got the spy scenario right at the end as I was kind of winding down my playthrough. She meets this group that helped her get out of prison, and this guy who saves her from, from a, a mysterious enemy. And they definitely get a sort of secret spy organization feel, but I didn't quite get cyberpunk yet. There's definitely some street Shinjuku vibes going on as well later. Like some of the, the settings in the game take you to those exact kinds of places. Mm. And yeah, I remember as a kid thinking like, wow, this is a really intense environment. It's really cool. It's like a cityscape, but there's all sorts of shady characters running around. There's neon lights running around. It is, it is awesome. It is a really cool environment that you find that yourself in. And you don't find yourself in those kind of environments in a lot of JRPGs. No, not terribly many are, are cyberpunky. One of the one of the most infamous stories from Saga Frontier uh, is one of the characters named Blue. Hmm. Uh, he's one of the main seven characters in the game, and his story has gained a lot of notoriety over the last couple of years because of all things the way it ends. Um, hmm. Blue's story has the wildest ending of any character's story in Saga Frontier, and there's some pretty wild character stories in Saga Frontier. Hmm. Um, Blue's story, to give you like a quick two second synopsis. When the game opens with Blue, uh, he's studying at the Magical Academy, and he's kind of this scholar character, and he has this twin brother named Rouge, mm. and he is tasked with gaining mastery of one of every kind of element of magic in the world in order to prove his status as the master magician, the master sorcerer. Damn. His twin brother is also attempting this feat as well, and the two of you are battling throughout the entire game to acquire mastery of each form of magic. So for each kind of magic in the game, there is a an opposite form of it. So if you acquire light magic, mm -hmm. Rouge will inevitably acquire shadow magic. Mm -hmm. If you acquire space magic, he will inevitably acquire, acquire time magic. And the two of you will go back and forth acquiring these magical properties and spells and abilities throughout the game. And it ultimately culminates in Blue having to fight his twin brother, Rouge, and... If you beat him, if you if you win that fight, you absorb all of his powers. Damn. You absorb all of his magical powers. And the the way that fight goes down is like it's very Japanese samurai. It's like the two of you under a full moon, boom, go, like drama. It is really crazy. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. Yeah. I love the way they set that that scene. Um if you lose the fight, however, Rouge defeats you and you play the rest of the game as Rouge. 
Oh wow! You be, you take on his sprite form. You no longer play as, as blue. You play on you play as the twin brother. So huh. that's pretty interesting from that standpoint. And if that was the only thing, I think that probably wouldn't have been enough to stir up controversy or be wild. That would have been like, hey, that's pretty wild, but that's just a normal JRPG thing. Yeah. The thing that gets wild is that after the, following this encounter where they have this duel and one one kills the other. The Magical Kingdom is attacked, and this seal in the Magical Kingdom that seals away this portal to, like, hell, or this portal to, like, some magical underworld Mm. is being broken open. And it is tasked to Blue or Rouge to go and seal the hole, basically, to go and seal the, the portal. And it involves it involves the main character going into this crazy ethereal plane, battling through hordes and hordes of monsters, reaching this crazy portal... And you end up doing battle with this super intense being. And the wildest thing about the story is the way that it ends. The game just in the middle of the fights, in the middle of an attack animation, Hmm. just stops. The game just stops, fades to grayscale, and just says, the end. (laughs) That's it. Wow. I mean, is this part of the whole unfinished concept? Or is that the ending they intended the whole time? You know, that is a question that is up to a lot of debate. And people say, did they want to do that? Did they get did their budget and time frame run out? Other people say that that's what they wanted. And some of the developers even said that's what they wanted. Basically, what is supposed to be happening behind the scenes is that either Blue or Rouge is supposed to, in that moment, be sealing the gates. And they are trapped in eternal combat with the monsters of the underworld. Everybody else gets to survive on the outside, but Blue and Rouge is trapped in this eternal combat. And that's what this freeze frame is supposed to represent, apparently. Is it's that the fight will never, ever end? Either that or that he's just stuck there in that plane forever. Hmm. And yeah, it's a very wild ending. It's a very, very weird ending for a game. It's like no credits, no developers, no sappy music, just grayscale, thin, press the reset button. Hmm. It actually kind of reminds me of uh, the MCU Doctor Strange movie and the way that ends. Obviously, that one ends a little happier in that Doctor Strange manages to make a deal to save the world, but he goes in there inevitably to trap himself for all eternity with this ancient and powerful being that wants to consume the Earth, and he was fully intending to just spend all of eternity trapped in this world with him so that neither of them could ever get out. So it definitely has those vibes to it. It's, a, it's like that in terms of the content that's happening, but it's just the abrupt and awkward execution. I yeah. mean, you put 30 hours of gameplay into this file, and then suddenly you're, the ending you're expecting is ripped away from you, and the player is left with just floating question marks above their head going, what did I just watch? I could definitely see how that could be upsetting to a lot of, of gamers, uh, especially younger gamers who are like really excited and jazzed about the fight with the big bad, and then it just kind of stops suddenly. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty wild to the end of the scenario. Um, one thing that Octopath Traveler did that I think you really enjoyed, and I know I really enjoyed, was how all the stories, quote-unquote, connected together. Mm. And they ultimately resulted in a post-game scenario where you could take your party and you could go into this portal where you would fight all the bosses again and then you'd fight the ultimate big bad. Yeah, I loved that that ending. That final fight is really difficult. It is one of the... the few things in the game that can truly challenge a player if they're not ready. Saga Frontier did it first. Exact, ex- literally exact same thing. Exact same format. You clear everybody's scenarios, and you are invited into post-game scenario where you re-battle everybody's final boss, 
up to a super, super final boss. Saga Frontier literally did that exact same thing decades earlier. Hmm. Have the developers of Octopath stated Saga Frontier as an inspiration for the game? Because, I mean, it definitely seems like even that aside, there's a lot of, of inspirations to be taken there. Have they Have they actually stated that? That is a great question. I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, I haven't looked into the development team behind Octopath Traveler enough. But, uh, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the people that worked on Saga Frontier were like, dang, I really wanted to finish that story the first time. Let me just go ahead and make a new game. It wouldn't surprise me. It, w- it yeah. really wouldn't surprise me. That's how much similarity I find between the two. It would definitely make sense. It'd be interesting to find out. But yeah, I just, I just thought you'd get a kick out of that. Hmm. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our third listener-submitted story. Take it away. This one comes from a user that goes by the handle John Dugan. So Clyde, go ahead and take it away. John Dugan writes, I remember every Friday after school, mom would take me to Blockbuster, and I'd get to pick out exactly one game. Sometimes I'd whine just the right amount for her to get me two, or a game and some Sour Patch Kids. But I remember so distinctly wandering the aisles and reading the backs of the jewel cases one by one to determine which game would be the lucky winner that week. There was something both oddly fascinating and slightly repulsive about the album art for Saga Frontier. I distinctly remember seeing it every week, but it was such a simple, boring cover, and with a name like Saga Frontier, I knew it couldn't be any good. So I never gave it the time of day, until one day the stars aligned, and Mom let me pick out two, and my list of unplayed titles was dwindling. I couldn't help but at least give it a shot. I had played a handful of RPGs before, Super Mario RPG, and a couple Final Fantasies. The genre was sort of meh to me. I remember getting home and not touching it for the first few days it was in my possession. I can't remember which game I was playing all the time, but Saga Frontier just sat there and collected dust. It wasn't until the game was actually due back that I decided to at least pop it in and see what it was all about. I remember the moment I got to the title screen, and I saw that it had seven characters to choose from. I knew there was something special and ambitious about this game. I played through a bit of T260G's quest, because like, robots are dope. John Dugan, thank you so much. I love this story. It definitely brings back a lot of my own memories of uh, getting my mom to take me to to Blockbuster or to even go further back, Hollywood Video, and renting movies and games and trying to pick out which one I was going to go through. Uh, So definitely you and I share memories like that. Looking at the Saga Frontier box art, I can definitely see what you mean. It is interesting. Definitely doesn't really communicate too terribly much what the game is about. It's just Blue standing there with his arms up, casting some kind of magical spell. But it definitely doesn't communicate that there's multiple playable characters. It doesn't really communicate even a lot of the themes of the game. Like, there's no cyberpunk aspect to this. So I can definitely see why it might be a little uh, confusing and 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 off-putting for you as a kid. Yeah, I uh, I actually really enjoyed the box art of the game. Uh, I think Blue is one of my favorite characters from it. So mm-hmm. I always thought it was cool that he was kind of like, willing the letters of saga frontier into the air i liked it but Mm. i can see how it would be kind of confusing and you like it from the perspective of blue as a character who you really liked he's one of your favorite characters so now you look back on it that way looking at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't know anything about the game never played the game it's just this dude in a tunic weaving letters in the air it's kind of weird cool tunic though is it it is cool tunic and he's got a cool ponytail haircut thing I did actually think he was a girl when I first saw the character select screen. I thought a lot of people were girls that were not. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I guess when I played it for the first time, I don't know what I remember thinking about that box art, but I think I remember thinking it was kind of anime-ish and it looked kind of cool. So that was probably what got me to pick it up off the shelf. Yeah, I mean, personal taste can definitely 
uh, account for that. I mean, some people who just love this anime fantasy aesthetic might just see that box art and fall in, in love immediately. I'm sure a lot of kids did. Well, before we head into our last story, I actually wanted to take a second and revisit a couple of music tracks with you. Okay, let's do it. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, put on those headphones, Taylor. This first track is one that I really, really enjoy. Uh, it gives me really great underworld vibes. Mm. It's actually called Booby Trap. So okay. let me know what you think of this. All right. Definitely feels very jazzy right off the bat. I feel like this song is like right at home in Midgar or something. I was actually gonna say the exact same thing. It feels like like Barrett's club or Barrett's bar. Yeah, I can see that. Let's, let's shift the mood a little bit. All right. This one's called Sunset Town. Hmm. This track is so relaxing to me. I don't know what it is about this song, but I find this song so relaxing. I can see that for sure. It has some very quiet, relaxing vibes. All right, and one more. All right. What do you think about this one? Uh, I think this is a different game. I think this is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest we did last week. I love it, but it's the wrong game. I can't be. I can't sneak anything past Taylor these days. I mean, we just did that episode last week, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. And also, that was one of the best songs from that game. Too true, too true. But I think Saga Frontier has some great music too, and. A lot of those uh, tracks really help uh, embellish the environments that you're in. Mm. I love Amelia's prison theme. I love like when you're running around trying to look for the right exit. There's a lot of great. There's a lot of great dungeon themes in that game. It's just it's so good. It's a game that is absolutely filled with stellar music. Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed the music in the in the game when I was playing through it. Uh, the battle theme is is definitely a good one. Uh, I wouldn't call it my favorite battle theme ever, but it was definitely up there. Yeah, the battle theme is fantastic. That is another track that I think is really, really special, and it sets the mood really well. There's also a lot of battle themes in the game. I think there's a total of, like, seven or eight of them. There's wow. A, there's a ton of battle themes. And because there's so many characters in the game, each of their characters has a bunch of unique music for areas. So I think in total, the game has, like, 100 unique music tracks. Wow. So, yeah, and those aren't, those aren't sound effects tracks. You know, like, we've been talking about the Undertale soundtrack a lot. Half of those files are sound effect files, or, or very short, like, 10-second clips. Like, Saga Frontier's OST is, like, a hundred four-minute songs. That's rare for games of that era. Yeah, it is a very, very comprehensive, long soundtrack, and a lot of those tunes are really neat. Like, to put it in perspective, every single character in the game has their own unique final boss music, and they all have their own unique post-game music. So there's 14 tracks in the game that are just Emilia's final boss, Emilia's post-credits, Blue's final boss, Blue's post-credits, Red's final boss, Red's post-credits, it is intense how many tracks are unique per each person's character file. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of diversity in music. I mean, again, it's pretty rare for a game of that era, usually just because of size concerns. You can not you can only fit so much data on a disc. That's true, but discs can hold certainly a lot more than cartridges could. 
That is true. That was yeah. the biggest jump. I mean, in a, besides graphics, that was the biggest jump from the 16-bit era up to discs in the disc format because it could it could hold so much more data. The music quality jumped tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. We were able to get quite a lot more than uh, than in, in previous years. All right, we've li- relived some musical tracks. This is probably a good, pretty good chance. Let's go ahead and dive into our last listener-submitted story today. You ready, oh. you ready for this one, Taylor? Absolutely. Let's do it. Well, this one comes from a user that goes by the handle Raya Rysender. Ryo Rysender. It's got a it's got its own JRPG feel to it. It does, it does indeed. It's probably an homage to something. It's probably a reference to something. Wouldn't surprise me. Well as always, Taylor, I'm gonna let you take it away. Ryo Rysender says Saga Frontier was my first saga game. When I went to high school, I had a best friend who traveled a lot. Living in Europe, we didn't really get many JRPGs during the PSX era. You could import them, but as the magazines didn't talk about them, and they weren't on the shelves in the stores, you wouldn't know about them. So when I visited my best friend at home for the first time, I was amazed by the selection of imported games he had bought during his travels. Eventually my friend, who knew that I liked JRPGs, picked out Saga Frontier and said, This game sucks. You can have it. And gave it to me. I remember choosing Amelia as my first character because she was selected as the default, and I assumed that the game was telling me to pick her first. I really loved the music in Despair, the prison dungeon. It was of a style I hadn't heard before in games, and I remember just letting the game run once just to listen to it a little bit longer. I'd still say it's one of my favorite non-battle tracks. I actually have a habit of whistling the songs I'm hearing while playing if they have a certain sound to them. And Saga Frontier had me whistling a lot. But the highlight of Saga Frontier for me was the final boss battles. I managed to reach the final boss with Amelia, but stood no chance. My team was completely underleveled. I didn't have much good gear. I didn't even buy any magic. My party was Amelia, Liza, Annie, Acellus, and White Rose, I think. I've always been a huge fan of final boss battles. Going so far as to play JRPGs all the way to the end just to find an amazing final fight that was oftentimes better than the rest of the game. But Saga Frontier didn't just have one epic final boss, it had many, one per character. The only thing that could top my experience after Amelia's final boss was when I fought T260G's final boss. That genocide no future attack and the monitor transition amazed me so much, I pretty much showed it to all my friends. I had a little highlight years later when I talked on a forum about the game and everyone said it sucked. And then I went in and explained why it's so amazing, and I actually got one person to give it another try after reading my post, and he ended up loving it. Saga Frontier had a big impact on my life. I've been a game designer since I was like five years old, but I never started to have such deep thoughts on game design before playing Saga Frontier. All the game designs and tech demos I created afterwards were all clearly Saga-inspired. I guess I can call myself an Akatoshi Kawazu fan now. He's pretty much the only person I really wish I could meet and talk with. Hey, Raya Rysender, this was awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to write this up. That is that is so cool. That is such a neat little story. Yeah, definitely. You were obviously a, a huge fan of the game, and it inspired you in, in so many ways. That is so cool that you were actually able to get a hater to check the game out again, and, and they actually enjoyed it. Like, oh, that is so awesome. Yeah, it's so rare to change someone's mind on a forum, but you actually managed to do it. Congrats. Yeah. One of the more interesting things that Raya Rysender said that I found really really cool was how he talked about enjoying the final bosses of JRPGs. 
Mm. That's not something that I've actually like thought a lot about. Like somebody who plays like JRPGs solely looking for a great final boss. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it either, but it makes sense. I mean, a lot of JRPGs have great final fights. Even more modern ones have really like epic and grandiose final battles that really sweep you away. Yeah, and Saga Frontier has quite a few of them. And there's so many great stories. It's such a shame that we don't have the time to dive into every character's story here. We've talked about Red the superhero. We've talked about Blue the scholar. We mm. talked a little bit about Amelia, the framed girlfriend of murder. But it's, there's so many intricate stories. Like T260G, his whole story is about a robot searching for his identity and searching about his mission. You know, where, what was my original mission? He's kind of lost his memory. Mm. Um, Riki is that monster kid, and he's searching for a way to save his village, if I recall correctly. Mm. Loot is a, a traveling um, bard who just kind of wants to take life carefree and easy. And his story's actually probably the most bizarre because you can basically walk right up to the final boss of his file immediately. You can basically, like, he, he basically doesn't have a story. Maybe there's, like, an hour of story or, like, an hour and a half of story you have to do. Mm. But if you, I mean, if you wanted to, you can basically go get messed up by his final boss immediately. That's... Always an interesting design choice, but it looks like this game had quite a few of those. Yeah, it's open world to the max uh, for Loot Story. but uh, And then uh, um, Acelis, how could I forget her? She's the the half-mystic who, she she's like a human, but she gets into an accident one day, and they have to give her mystic blood, mm. and then she develops these magical powers, and she has a very intricate and, and long storyline as well. There are so many fantastic stories in Saga Frontier, and they're all so different. They're all so... The the variety is just intense about them. I felt like in you know not to not to harp on Octopath more, but I felt like in Octopath a lot of the stories came down to revenge. I felt like a lot mm-hmm. like four or five of the main stories were like, you killed my my king, revenge. You killed my father, revenge. You've you know I felt like a lot of those stories were geared towards that. Whereas in Saga Frontier, the stories are very 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 different. Red story is admittedly about revenge, but I don't think anybody else's. It is maybe I, mean, I guess Amelia's is pretty close to revenge, but yeah, T two six O G certainly not, Riki certainly not, Loot certainly not, uh, Acellus, man, There's an element to it there, but but not a lot. And and they're all the characters are so diverse. All the characters mm. and their backgrounds are so diverse, and the places they take you is so diverse. God, I love Saga Frontier. I want to play more Saga Frontier now. <laughs> well, I mean, have at it. I do have to ask, and I'm sure this is just the inner Pokemon fan in me that that needs to know, but. Are red and blue related in any way in the game? No. Did you find out later that they have any kind of connection? No, but you can acquire blue in red's file. Okay. Um, blue can be one of your main parts. I think blue can actually be acquired in everybody's file. Um, and blue is really, really strong. He is a contender for the strongest person in the entire game. Like, blue's magic is banana strong. It is banana strong. Well, I mean, from what you've described to me, eventually he becomes the master of space and time. So yeah, that would seem pretty banana strong. Yeah, the when you defeat the time master in, in uh, blue's file, he gets an ability called like warp drive or hyperdrive or something. He basically says, um, I now take the next 10 turns uninterrupted. And, <laughs> and you can recast hyperdrive in those 10 turns. So he basically goes, I don't wish to end combat until I win. He's extremely, extremely powerful. Good lord. That might be one of the most powerful magic spells I've ever heard in a JRPG. Yeah, he's ludicrously, ludicrously powerful. And there's actually a glitch involved. Maybe maybe you couldn't recast Warp Drive inside of the spell, but there was a glitch that would cause it to extend so mm-hmm. that it would last an ungodly amount of turns. But even 10 turns with his magic late game, he was crazy powerful. Yeah, I know. That's, that's pretty nuts. 
as a, as a result, most people that play Blue's File, because you have to choose between Shadow or Light or Arcane and Rune or Time and Space, people knew that time was so powerful, almost everybody wanted to get time magic, right? Mm. I actually did a file where I wanted to get space magic and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do, I won't do time magic. I've totally destroyed this game with time magic before. Let me get space magic. The space magic boss destroyed me. Wow. Like when I say destroyed me, it was ridiculous how hard that boss was to me. Mm. Um, I thought like my team is pretty strong. I've got some of my favorite characters. I know they're the kind of the right abilities to put on the right characters. That space boss was just like, you are not prepared. Boom, boom, shake the room. You're done. Like it, it destroyed me. That space boss destroyed me. Damn. I think it was Kylan or Kyren or I don't I don't know the name of that boss. But man, that unicorn thing, just wreckage. Just anybody who's gonna play space a space run with blue, be prepared. That thing is just a monster. Jeez. The last thing I want to talk about is my favorite character in the game. Uh, it is a character that I, I it's very near and dear to my heart. It is a wandering drunk samurai. You meet him in a bar in almost every file that he can be acquired in, and his name is Gen. Or some people will call him Jen, but I, I always called him Gen. Mm. Um, and he is a swordsman who has this like shady past from um, from a, a, an ancient uh, place called Wakatu. And he's like this he's this, this swordsman who, if you give him a sword and you just say you just say start stabbing stuff, he will get the best sword attacks so quickly, and he will be your main damage output before you can blink. Jeez. He acquires the best sword attacks. He's not the best character in the game by far. There are definitely better characters than Gen in the game. But I remember as a kid thinking, that dude is a badass. And I absolutely loved Gen as a character. I thought, oh man, this dude is cool. His design is cool. He's a bad man, Bajamba. Yeah, I just, I loved Gen. Gen was my favorite character for sure. It does also feel like a necessary archetype in every JRPG. Every JRPG has to have the old wizened swordman who's just absolutely dominating and just kills everyone as long as he's got a sword in his hands. Yeah, I don't even know if I would say he's wizened, but he's definitely a badass. He's definitely like, he don't take nothing from nobody. Hmm. Well, that's all I got about for Saga Frontier. Um, I could ramble on for hours about the glitches in the game, which are, there are a couple of great glitches, or some of the character scenarios. And shout out to acquiring Dr. Nusaken, uh, and I think it was Koring, or one of the main, like, um, one of the main, like, Shinjuku vibe cities. Such a great character. The way you acquire him is very horror-esque. Hmm. There are such great horror sequences in the game and freak out like jump scare sequences in the game. Oof. There's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff. But yeah, Saga Frontier, near and dear, special game to my heart. If you guys get a chance, sit down, give it a try. And it's a lot of fun. It's not It's not the most polished game and it's definitely not the most finished game, but it is a lot of fun to play. So yeah, I would love to close out this episode by doing one of my favorite animations from the entire game, which is Red's victory pose animation, where he looks like he just hits himself in the chest over and over again. It was really funny. Yeah, they all strike cool little poses when they do their, like, what's the, that, the victory fanfare theme? I'll be playing that right now. Dun, da, 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 dun, da, 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 and they do, like, their little poses. Oh, it's yeah. so cute. And Amelia and the girls in the prison all do, like, break dances, which is also pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty great. But nothing beats Red's for me. Like, Red's looks like he's just, like, like either dabbing and or just whacking himself in the chest over and over again. It's the funniest thing. It's pretty cute. Those, man, those characters are awesome. God, this game is so great. Mm. Well, thanks to everybody who submitted stuff for today's episode. You guys are the best. Shoutouts to Vheart, Metas24, John Dugan, and Raya Rysender. You guys are amazing. The episode wouldn't have been the same without you. Thank you so much for sharing your love of Saga Frontier with the audience and the listeners today. You guys are the bestest. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and submitters. Thank you to Taylor for sitting on in and for playing a couple hours of Saga Frontier. I know you wanted to pull your hair out, but I'm so, <laughs> so happy that you did. You always have an open invitation to come back. What are we covering next week, Taylor? Uh, I, I don't know. What are we covering next week, Clyde? 
I am really going to try and finish Chrono Cross before next week because that would be an mm-hmm. awesome game to be able to do. Uh, we had a listener submitted a request for Chrono Cross, which is definitely a game that, categ- that that fits into this category of games that are scorned by the general public, but people still find some people still find them to be really endearing. So I'm thinking Chrono Cross will be next Monday. I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that I can get it finished in time. All right. Well, I am absolutely looking forward to it, and I know all our listeners should be too. Well, any final words, Taylor, before we go ahead and shut this out? Thank you so much for listening, y'all. It was a pleasure to be here once again. Have a good one. So until then, keep on sharing the games you love with the people you like. See you guys next time on Scanline Vibes. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.